Hey, everybody, it's Moscow here. Before we get started with the show, a couple of housekeeping items. One is that this show starts about 10 minutes into the recording. The first part of the show was lost due to technical difficulties and annoyingly was unrecoverable. So I'm sorry. Please forgive us. The second thing, much better news. Our ninth Spring Bruce Festival is coming up March 31st. That's Saturday, March 31st. Check out all of the details at thebrewingnetwork.com slash events. You'll see it there actually on our homepage as well. Tickets are 40 bucks pre-sale. Pours are unlimited. 60-plus breweries are expected. Great food, live music, awesome people here in Toto Santos Plaza in downtown Concord. It's going to be our biggest and best fest yet. Again, that's Saturday, March 31st. Brewingnetwork.com slash events. Hope to see you there. And now here's the Sour Hour. The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. Let's do a quick question, and that question, Scott. Yes, Jay. This question and all questions, actually, are brought to us by Dr. Lambic and his team at SourBeerBlog.com. Check out the articles on Sour Beer. It's a great written resource devoted to teaching you how to brew and blend sour beer at home. And now, the Sour Beer Blog crew is opening up a brewery in central (laughs) Pennsylvania. Can you believe it? If you'd like to help them get started... And get some exclusive sour beers and merchandise, including a hoodie with a zipper, we confirmed from last show that mm-hmm. Rare Barrel was here. Check out uh, Mellow Mink's Founders Club at MellowMink.com. Sour Hour listeners have already helped them reach over two-thirds of the goal. Claps for that. Nice. Leaving word-missing spots available. There's still spots available. That's an what you an unknown small amount of spots available. So go check them out. Again, Mellow Mink's Founders Club, mellowmink.com. There you go. Love you, Dr. Lambert. Yeah, thanks, Doc. couple of things before we get to the question. One is there are Sour Hour T-shirts in the Brewing Network store. We have uh, neglected to mention oh, those, uh, and yeah. uh, there they are. Just so the whole uh, crew can see them. It's uh, it's our awesome n- newish logo. It's not yeah. the old logo we've been using since the beginning, which is the uh, you know the sort of dark barrel. It's a it's a new the octagonal barrel. Yes, that push eject I believe just kind of mocked up himself. Mm-hmm. This one is uh, it's totally different. It's cool looking. It's still like kind of a barrel head. And what do you? I don't know. It's got t- des- describe the t shirt. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. This you like that's it? Good okay, yeah. that's, a, that's a good price. I mean, that's a reasonable price. Yeah, th- another good point. Uh, it's uh, 17 bucks. You don't uh, find T-shirts often under 20 bucks it's these days. It's only a men's T-shirt, though, so. Uh, true, although you can wear, you know, if you get like a small, how like a size small, you, it kind of becomes a ladies' tee a little bit. I, I believe you. we were just talking about how men's clothing is just so fantastic, wasn't it? 
<laughs> for men. Well, we. <laughs> I would like to point out we do have women's apparel in the store as well. Uh, do we have a sour hour shirt? No, but we have lots of other uh, women's specific. Thank you very much, Jenna. Do you like any of those? Yes. Oh, I'm glad the onesie is listed under. Assistant Brewer. Assistant Brewer. You. I'm gonna let you die on the stake, Scott. In any case, it uh, it supports the show when you go and you buy merch. No, no better way to directly support the show than to go to the Brewing Network store uh, and uh, get yourself a Sour Hour shirt, get yourself uh, some ladies apparel, and file a complaint about how sexist the Brewing Network is based on our apparel choices. You can do all that at thebrewingnetwork.com and uh, our online store. I'm going to change my opening to, it's that time to, time's up Brewing Network. (laughs) Get some Sour Hour women's apparel. Me too. Okay. Uh, Was that your hashtag? That was my hashtag, yeah. That Isn't terrible. that hashtag? How about What's this? The, that's is that? Hashtag. Oh, is it this? That's I'm what out I do. Of I go like that. Oh, my bad. Maybe I'm just plus n. Anyway, <laughs> this is not working on podcast. So. All right. Uh, and then the other thing is, um, I did pour a little bit. I'm, yes. I hope all you guys got this. Is from uh, uh, Luke from Streetside Brewing out in Cincinnati. They were on the session uh, a month or two ago, and uh, uh, along with the beer they sent in for the show, he sent in a bottle for this show, which it w- has some red duct tape on the label and i think it says brett in i can't the the writing is kind of worn off but it's a brett beer and i don't know what do you guys think of this i think it tastes great yeah it's good it's an excellent chardonnay yeah it does taste yeah. very chardonnay nice white wine anyway i'd like to uh interject even actually if you open up a nice bottle of saturn next to it you're gonna you're gonna really what mix is up that the two between the two so, what okay. is that oh saturn it's a botrytis um Essentially, it's a dessert wine. Okay, this is dry, but it's definitely you got me at dessert wine. Quite, quite the, those are the words that I understood. <laughs> anyway, yeah, thank so, you. Yeah, thanks, Luke, for, for sending for that in for us. It, it's really good, and we're, we're enjoying it now. All right, so here's a question from Oliver. This is from the from a couple of years ago now from the archives. He says, uh, "He says hi." We stay on top of it here, Tommy. <laughs> There's a little disclaimer at the end of this thing. It says, English is my second language, so sorry for the mistakes in the message. I'm just going to read that at the top just in case. It says, hi, we actually have a beer bar in Montreal, the French part of Canada, it says in parentheses. Uh, And we plan to brew our own beer in a 600-square-foot basement area. We will have a four-barrel brewing system. Uh, We want to do clean beer and sour wild bread beers. We want to plan the brewery so we'll be able to separate as most as possible the area for clean beers and sour beers. So he says, here's what we plan to do. Have a sour beer room for barrels aging, like 12 to 18 barrels, with its own ventilation system with negative pressure. Have one fermenter and one bright tank in the sour beer room, and then separate hoses, gaskets, kegs, etc. What do you guys think about that plan? Do you have any other advices for the design of a sour and clean brewery of this in this kind of small space? To picture a super small basement that he's describing, and like, how, how would you guys set that up to separate? Okay, well, let's start with Jenna. He's our quality manager. If you have any advice, I've got my own thoughts, but let's begin there. And anyone who else wants to. I mean, Chime I in along the way. That from places that I've been before, a big mistake that combination breweries make is their hoses and gaskets. They'll like have another tank and just assume that their regular CIP for their hoses and gaskets are gonna be fine. <laughs> so you're already on the right track there. Anybody else? Uh, well, I've seen it happen before. In Montreal. The French what? part of Canada. The French part of Canada. Uh, <laughs> Let's leave the impressions to Tim. Yeah. Sorry, that was, you know, South mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. man. That's Over, under. Jerry? Under. 
<laughs> uh, that only took 26 minutes. Yeah. Um, Inside joke. Yeah, I think the the pressure is a real thing. So yeah, uh, positive pressure on the non-sour portion of your space is is key because yeah, microbes can sporulate and uh, you get unwanted bacteria in your clean side if you're not uh, yeah controlling the pressure in the room. That's a smart thing. Maybe HEPA filters and. Air ducts. Do you think it's realistic to have a, a space that small and, and keep it separate effectively? Well, what's the size of their normal space besides the sour portion and the basement? 600 total square feet. Yeah, uh, that's the, exactly. That's the whole size that's of like it. like my, my bedroom. Wow, hey, humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in San Francisco. That's, that's my entire apartment. That's an apartment. <laughs> that's my, yeah. But that's good. I mean, it, to me, like, it kind of, I like that. Those kind of finer touches on it. It struck me as like, wow, they're going to a lot of trouble to to keep this separate. The maybe more kind of stepping it back and looking at the overall thing is, you know, there's a lot of people who are small breweries and, you know, can't afford a quality program, quality employee, even a microscope. I mean, a lot of brew pubs. Let's just take that for example. And you're not really making a lot of beer and it doesn't see distribution, doesn't go in a bottle, it doesn't get shipped out onto shelves or anything like that so if you're selling everything kind of out of your space on draft then you know this isn't like the best like cleanest advice but it kind of matters a little bit less to be honest but the second you put beer into a bottle that's going to get out you know people the way they trade beer it's going to you know end up in california after many months and your ipa is going to maybe be have, have a little bit of a problem so i think you're on the right track overall i like both uh, jenna and rob's suggestions anyone else want to lay one or two more comments down on that get a microscope there costs like 200 you can get a very decent one on amazon for like 200 dollars. so why guess like why yeah. why guess if you can the rhetorical yeah. Oh, question. if you can get... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is, that, is that basically what you're telling them? Like, yes. don't mess around with just shooting in the dark? Yeah, it's it's not a difficult skill, and it's it's fairly inexpensive, and especially if you're mixing the two, clean versus sour. What's the point of negative pressure room and positive pressure room if you can't test to see right. if it's working? If you're, yeah, totally. if, you're, if you're bottling something, have, you know, a, a way to, to have a quality kind of library and then you'll know other than the fact that it tastes sour you'll be able to catch it before then if you have a microscope so so let's say they set it up this way they get the microscope and uh oh man even despite all these precautions whoops i'm seeing stuff in my clean side that i don't want to see what should he do don't distribute that beer <laughs> yeah. Sell, oh. yeah sell the company <laughs> <laughs> burn it and collect the insurance <laughs> Draft only. Let it burn. It's a t- it's a tough call. That's I mean, a tough spot. Yeah, but um, that's a small space, and this is new. Is a new brewery. Yeah, seems like. it seems like. So I'm looking it up, and like I said, it's it's. I said Oliver, but I, I think that's my dumbass American accent. I think it's Olivier. Uh, is his name and mm-hmm. it's uh, Olivier at IsleDegard.com, which may have been the brewery he was wor- or the place he was working when he wrote this email, gotcha. or it may be the place he opened up. I, I can't quite tell. I googled it and it, it appears to be a brasserie. So, I, but I, I'm not sure. So, I would love to hear back from uh, Olivier. Great. And, uh, Hopefully, hear, his hear boss doesn't listen and knows he's going to start a brewery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tim, did you have something to add on top of that? Well, I think this, the recommendations, hoses and gaskets, really focusing on that. It's probably soft the, parts. Yeah, most important thing. I think. Um, I actually 
I guess maybe this is controversial, but I think a lot of the conversation on like bacteria and yeast traveling to other barrels is kind of overplayed. How dare you? I know, I know. <laughs> but um, doesn't happen as much as it as people think it does. So just as long as your your CIP process and your cleaning process is on point, you probably shouldn't have a problem with any direct infections. Hmm. Why do people think it happens more than it does? Is paranoid? Sure. Winemakers. Hmm. I would definitely recommend making sure that, yeah, you can execute CIPs properly. From some of my background, like that has just been a really big issue, making sure the temperature is okay. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> We're adjusting that mic. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I recommend, like, a hot liquor tank, something where you can have some hot water so you can make sure you execute those CIPs properly, keeping hoses, gaskets, those things separate. That's definitely a big plus when trying to do combinations. I agree with Jenna as far as making sure you have a microscope. You should be plating quite frequently just to make sure that you have what you want inside the beer. Once, once a day, once a week, how often is frequent? Every batch, whether that's once a day, twice a week, whatever that may be. But I say every batch should be plated and looked under the microscope. Same when it's war and at packaging, probably two really critical points. Yep. For each batch. Gotcha. All right. It's a good, solid first segment, I Indeed. Say. Yep. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back on the Sour Hour. Hi, this is Ryan Wheaton, the host of a new podcast called Branding Brews. Branding Brews is a show focused on marketing, branding, and design for the beer industry. I have spent over 14 years as a professional designer. As a host, I bring my knowledge to the show to interview other great beer professionals. Whether you're thinking about starting a brewery, already own a brewery, want to learn more about marketing beer, or you're a seasoned veteran, this show is for you. This show will cover topics such as rebranding a brewery, package and label design, crowdfunding, design, social media, plus much more related to promoting and creating a great beer brand. Make sure to check out the show along with useful show notes at brandingbrews.com. You can also subscribe to the Branding Brews podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Again, check us out at brandingbrews.com. Project Wellington, New Zealand, and you're listening to the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. I'll let this roll for a second. Well, Ronnie James, Dio. Holy Dave! Now, I, now I'm very familiar with it. Yeah, oh, so good. It for, uh, for a rejoin. Great rejoiner. Getting rowdy in here. We're on the air. Guys, <laughs> I want to thank a couple of great sponsors as Stefan pulls the mic closer. Do you have something to say? Is your mic on? It is now. No. Thank you. <laughs> the Wine and Hop Shop. Check them out, wineandhop.com. It's where to get your sour beer, wild yeast, and bacteria from our friends at Omega Yeast and Giga Yeast. Most items are going to ship within 24 hours. And best of all, BN listeners in the continental United States get a flat $8 shipping rate on orders under 25 pounds. I have not updated that. On Still no. No. It's been a while. Great. Yeah. Just enter BN Shipping in the notes field of the shopping cart, and the discount will be taken off after checkout. The Wine and Hop Shop, 
wineandhop.com. What what are you doing, Tommy, there? It's distracting We're dumping me. this and pouring that. What are you, yeah, what are you holding? What is that? Just don't pour over the equipment. Yeah. Exactly. All right, I'm going to deputize Tommy to or read the uh, read about our friends or, or really just speak from your heart yeah. about our friends on Oregon fruit products. Uh, Oregon fruit, fruit yes. for brew. I love Oregon fruit, fruit, fruit products. Uh, aseptic puree is easy to use and convenient to store with no additives or artificial flavors. It's simply great expression of the raw fruits. They love working with brewers to help us innovate. Thank Check you. them out at fruitforbrewing.com. Oregon fruit, they bring fruit to life. That was mm-hmm. that was that was like a D plus. I feel like I'm in <laughs> Oregon, like in the hills. Just... I figured that would be the easiest one to get, just uh, yeah. go for it with because you That's, guys use them. Yep. Fruit for brew, fruit for fruit brewing. For brew. Yeah, good job, Tommy. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, are we all loaded up? Here? Yeah, we're so ready I, to go. I, I see we have we have some we have some beer in our glass. Everybody listening. We have some beer in our glass, and it's fr- it's from Dave. It's Dave Lashinsky. Dave, you there? Uh, I'm here. How are you, man? Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. You mentioned it at the top, uh, Jay. It's uh, deserving of our praise. A- anyone who's willing to you know, submit stuff that they are not super proud of, it's easy to submit beer that you are stoked on and want people to try because you think it came out great. Right, but it's not as easy if you're like, I'm not super proud of this, but I'm going to sort of submit it to a public forum to help others troubleshoot. Mm-hmm. That's really cool that you would do that, Dave. So thanks. Oh, no problem. So, Dave, tell us about what you're going for with this beer, and I don't know. Should we say what do you think is wrong with it, or should we just go around the room? What would you What would you prefer? You're the one who sent us the beer. I guess tell you about it first, if that is helpful. Yeah. What was, yes. what was the Well, what is it first of all, and then what was the goal so, with it? It's uh, uh, This was actually the beer that I wrote, I emailed you guys about the last time that the whole Rare Barrel team was on. It was a kettle soured Berliner Weiss that got ropey after bottle conditioning. Ah, right. So I kettle soured with uh, three ounces of acid malt, um, just a little grain in a bag for two days, got the acidity that I wanted, and then boiled, went through everything, Fermented with sack and a culture that I've been using for the past like year or so. Everything turned out great. Bottled it, or I added. I'm sorry, I added um, a bunch of tropical fruits. So passion fruit, uh, mango, guava juice, and then actually added some beets because I was trying to get a tropical looking color like a fruit punch. But I didn't want to use cherries or raspberries or anything like that. So ended up adding a bunch of fruit till I got the aromatics and flavor that I was looking for and then bottled it with corn sugar. And I didn't repitch any yeast, fresh yeast at the time. I was just hoping to use whatever bugs were left over to carbonate, which I since haven't, I've stopped doing and started pitching fresh yeast just because I've had issues with carbonation since then. But so about two to three weeks in the bottle, I cracked one just to see what was going on and it poured like maple syrup hmm. so i just gave it uh it was starting to get carved it had like good aroma and flavor but it's happened a couple times so i knew i just need to leave it in the bottle for a couple months and let it go and then within two to three months it's pretty much cleared up for the most part but I was, and unfortunately, it's not still ropey. <laughs> At least the one that I just cracked tonight isn't. So, just for the show. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got a, a hot take on this beer? 
I guess Rob. I'll kick it off. Um, yeah, for me, I don't know. I just like I'm not getting any carb out of whatsoever. Uh, you said you're adding dextrose. Um, you're leaving the microbes in the bottleneck. Yeah, expecting them to pick up that carb for you. Um, how long did you wait after it was basically bottled to, like, what's the timeline on the bottle date from today? From today, I bottled it on June 11th. Yep, June 11th, 17th. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, I'm just not getting carb is my is my first impression. Um Maybe yeah, uh, repitching some fresh microbes. I know we at the Rare Barrel deal with uh, uh, that kind of issue with acidity. You know, going for a sour beer, we do like a TAS protocol, basically. Uh, so I've learned uh, tempering the yeast um, to deal with the acidity, so then it can therefore carbonate. But yeah, I mean, to me, yeah, you're uh, we don't have any carb on this in the bottle. Yeah, Tim. Yeah, David. I, just, I was just curious. Are are you wondering? why the beer got ropey or are you just looking for general feedback on well the beer? Orig- originally the only beers i've ever done that have become ropey were kettle soured beers so my original question in that email was is there some sort of precursor or something in kettle sours that would stress out the pdo and bottle conditioning to create ropiness because i've used this same culture with other beers that aren't kettle soured and they haven't become ropey. Man, I think you could, stumped everybody. Could, could you tell us a little bit about this culture? Yeah, it was it was a mix of dregs and some yeast that I had collected off of wild grapes in my backyard. And I again, I used it for a couple beers. Everything was fine with those, and never noticed any type of ropey phase except for these kettle soured beers. So the, the whole reason why I started doing kettle sours to begin with was because the culture I was using wasn't producing acidity, not fast enough. I guess, I, yeah, partially like wanted to see more production within the first few months. So I started doing those. And then ironically, in the meantime, this past summer, all the beers I started using this culture with started acidifying and getting like really nice Brett character fairly quickly so it's definitely done a 180 and it's i've actually had to up the hopping rates and uh, i'm pitching a little bit staggered from the sack because i used to pitch at the same time um, because it actually a few of the beers um, that i've done this summer were way too acidic so i had to end up blending them with other beers Gotcha. Can you tell us a little bit about your malt bill and if you're step mashing or like what's your whole process for the kettle souring? Uh, yeah, it's uh, about 64% Pilsner, 32% flaked wheat, and about 4% flaked oats. Doing a basic mash in 163 or 152, sorry. And then uh, doing the um, kettle sour. Uh, with the, the acid malt, a little bit of acid malt in it, letting the, the microbes on the malt just acidify for a couple of days, and then just tasting it till I feel like it's at a good range, and then boiling down like normal, and I have about five IBUs of hops in it. Yeah, Dave, I think my contribution on this was uh, it. it's possible that the high mash temp might be uh, favoring PDO, I think maybe a little bit more than something like a, a sack or a Brett would. So mm-hmm. that might be why you're uh, achieving that ropey beer quality. Also, have you tried to do like a uh, protein rest with that uh, wheat percentage? No, I haven't. 
Would you recommend that? Something to try. I would definitely try it. I mean, it sounds like your culture, you might have pedo in it, and that's kind of like obvious signs of ropiness, but also sometimes giving that protein rest will help kind of break it down a little bit. Could be also another possibility. Maybe if I could just pivot off this, and I know we have a, a couple more beers from Dave, it looks like. I'd say, you know, how PDO develops exactly is, I think that there's a, a few different reasons, and it could come from a lot of things. I think definitely has to do with the mixed culture. I think what we've seen over the years of the rare barrel is certain mixed cultures get or have higher tendencies to get ropey or maybe even produce diastole or other kind of defining things that you see in the process but ultimately this beer ended up being fine yeah time was so kind to this beer maybe you could walk us through the other issues of uh i think we have two other beers from you are, are those kind of similar the, the same issue or different ones so those they're not necessarily flawed i mean they're i, I just didn't want to send you one shitty beer i wanted to send you a couple <laughs> of good ones too but they, they're the same uh part of the same culture but they haven't gone through any type of ropey phase at least that i that i saw um but yeah i just wanted to send you a couple of extra extra ones that i've been working on too but all right cool we'll, we'll pour those out but yeah i would say when it comes to the the ropey factor i would say for us it's it's been strain dependent um as you probably hear a lot of background noise of many glasses and pouring the next <laughs> beer out um i don't know stefan you've been you've been here for a long time you're you're kind of like you know like an obi-wan type of figure at the rare barrel <laughs> yo you mean the old that old hermit yeah that's um, stefan so what have you seen get ropey during your you know many years yeah, I don't quite understand. I mean, I get the reference, but um, anyway. <laughs> um, it's the beard, dude. As I'm trying to think about to be really to be perfectly honest, we've never really been able to pinpoint specific conditions that made beers ropey except um, a particular mixed culture that we knew that happened frequently. And those beers always came out of it. They came out maybe a little thicker in mouthfeel, but and maybe a little more sour. But it was they always turned around. And I would when I tried this beer. To be honest, I didn't couldn't. I was straining myself to find flaws. I I actually thought it was pretty good. I liked it, especially once I found out there were beets in it. It made more sense. I liked it. I've been pushing a beet beer. Sean's down on it right now. You've been pushing a beet. Beer. Come on now. I've been I've been pushing the idea of a smoked beet beer, and Sean is making You've it. You've been pushing it. Sean is realizing something I said once. I'm giving full credit. Sean is doing it. He is realizing. He is actualizing. He is doing great. Dave is still on the phone, because. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, to answer your question from earlier, Jay, the Star Wars and whatever, I, I in my opinion, ropiness isn't a. It doesn't indicate there's something wrong with the beer. It just means you need to wait a little longer. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. Okay, so then why doesn't it always happen? Like, what are the conditions that produces ropiness? I don't know. No, does nobody know? Like, there's no definitive answer? We don't know. I'm comfortable are, saying are, that. Are there people who claim to know, and what do they say? Just PDO. People do attribute it to PDO more than lactobacillus. I mean, I think it's understood what ropiness is and sort of how to clean it up but any beer with i think I've, we've said this on the podcast before any beer with pdo needs to have pretanomyces in it for 
more reasons than one, but this is one of the reasons is because it forms these like complex carbohydrate change with chains which kind of make this you know interconnectivity in the beer and Britannomyces will help break that down. I'm not sure if a beer like a Saccharomyces beer that was infected with PDO would effectively break that down or not. So the ropey factor is is a is a tough one to to troubleshoot because ultimately, at least from our perspective, you know, it's just like we just wait for that to to go away. There are some brewers who swear that the best sour beers need to get ropey right. and clean up. That you know, I don't. I mean, I don't know about that. I think we made pretty good beers that never got ropey, and it kind of just depends. But I think Dave has uh, reminds me of Kaiser Jose from Usual Suspects, <laughs> where it's the greatest trick. The devil ever pulled was convincing you that off flavors in his sour beer never existed. It's a direct movie quote. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. So wait, you 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 didn't say there's bread in here, right, Dave? No bread, right? No, there is. No, there is. Yeah. Well, there's a mix. Yeah. There's there's what was it? There's some fruit. Dregs. There's culture off, and then dregs. So there's got to be yeah. bread in the dregs. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So Dave, did the did the ropiness concern you because it was unique to this particular beer that you created, or just because you wanted to turn it around quicker? Like, what what bothered you about it? It's not that it bothered me as much. It was curious that it only happened with the kettle. I I mean, I've only done three kettle sour beers, and. It, all three of them were ropey after bottle conditioning. So that's why I originally wrote in, because I was curious if you guys knew any reason why that would be happening, whether it was stressed in the bottle or, or what the deal was. I don't think we yeah. see that much ropiness in the bottle. I mean, we do. We start to check at like four weeks. So I think that's a little bit of an unusually long amount of time because we kind of gear up for an eight or 12-week hold on all of our bottles. Perhaps they're getting ropey within the first week or two and cleaning up, but I don't think so. Mostly I think we're seeing it in, in the barrel. So I don't know if it's the pressure of the bottle that's contributing. Um, not to say that's never happened to anyone else. It's just our kind of our perspective. I don't know. Anyone else have any more thoughts on either preventing ropiness, dealing with it when you get it? I do have one question. So you're pitching this like mixed culture after you boil off your kettle sour and then you're also pitching it from a clean beer, and so you're only experiencing ropiness after kettle souring, but you're you're pitching this Brett and bacteria blend after boil. So, like, it's not just a kettle sour. Is that correct? Right. The reason why I originally was just working on, like, trying to do the kettle souring was to lock in a stable or, or like, a nice acidity early on so I could do something a little bit quicker when I first started doing sour beers. And since then, the culture has grown to the point where I I haven't done a kettle sour since then. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not really planning it because I don't really want any more ropey beer. I'd rather, I mean, everything's working great now. So just sticking with that. Right. I mean, obviously, a lot of those bugs that you probably have in your mixed culture are pretty acid resilient, but... It's very possible that you have a strain of bacteria that's creating this ropiness because it's stressed out because you pitched it into an environment that was more sour to begin with. Yeah. You know. So ropiness can, can be a result of stress? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, if you're only getting it when you put this particular culture in something that already has a lower pH, then, then yeah, acid stress could definitely be part of it. 
So, Dave, do you find it encouraging at all? I mean, now you say you're not really necessarily planning on it because maybe it's too much of an unknown or you, you feel like you didn't have enough sort of control over the process. But is it encouraging to you or, like, would you consider doing it in the future given that with time it actually turned into a really good beer? I don't know. I, I, again, I think it was really just one to try it out because I had never done a kettle sour before these three beers or whatever. I just wanted to kind of see what it was like. If I'm, you know, if I'm getting the acidity and the brett and everything that I want from uh, from the culture that I'm using right now, I don't, I don't know. I just don't really, I don't really have a, a reason to try and kettle sour again. I mean, you could just go straight to the regular sour yeah, beer. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, what, what do you guys think of? So we have another one of your uh, beers open there, Dave. It's uh, the uh, blended honey saison, refermented on uh, champagne, mangoes, and golden raspberries. What do you, what do you guys think of this beer? I like it a lot. I'd, I'd actually like to complain. This is a bad beer show. Um, I know. This, this beer isn't bad enough for <laughs> me to, to, to really, you know, truly appreciate how bad it is. Come on, beer. <laughs> Not bad enough is your, yeah, yeah that's your complaint. Uh, I, I do good. have a question for you, Dave, though. So you said you only experienced the ropiness, like, during bottle conditioning and only on your kettle sours. Are you yep. are you doing other beers in between that? Or, like, how many generations is this? How many times have you attempted trying the kettle sour and... I mean, I've tried kettle souring three times, but this generation, I kind of, honestly, after this, I started to not use it as much just because I didn't necessarily, there, you know, I didn't, I, well, I guess I wasn't getting it with my other beers, so it really shouldn't be a concern, but I just wasn't using it as much as some of the, I, I have a couple different cultures that, and I've actually blended this one with that. So there is a piece of that, the cult, the Berliner culture in the the beers that you're the other beers you're drinking but it's not i mixed in some other things too gotcha so the the second beer that we're trying right now is is not just the culture from the first one right right it's a it's a bunch of other stuff too well your bad beer tastes great dude. Uh, yeah i know Man. <laughs> totally dropped my guard for this whole episode yeah it's very nice yeah I, i'm really digging the second beer that that they poured for us I like it a lot. So, Dave, we're uh, we're running a little low on time, but I want to thank you for not only coming on with us, but sending us your delicious bad beer. Yeah. And <laughs> Damn it, Dave. Keep up the bad work. <laughs> I will. I will give it my all. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Big yeah, thanks, thanks to Dave. Dave for joining us. I think we're a little over time for a break here in our uh, in our first part of this show. So Indeed. let's uh, let's do that. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back on the Sour Hour. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint.
back. A lot of radio professionals in the room. They're coming for our jobs. Yeah. They know what 10 seconds means, for sure. I kept your mic off, Sue. Oh, good. <laughs> I knew you were coming in with a... Uh, uh. I want to thank more of our good sponsors. Who wants to talk about Brew Guru? Brew Guru! Tim. Pass along my thoughts <laughs> that I just think of. Fun fact, I actually used to listen to the Sour Hour when I was, like, living in D.C. And I'd Are you saying you don't listen anymore? Used to. Not really, actually, unfortunately. <laughs> no, but, but, no I, I do it. It's an awesome podcast. Everyone should listen. But I, 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 you really breeze What was that. the last show? But I, I remember listening, and I, I, I would think to myself, Can these guys just, just nailed the brew guru. Like, <laughs> brew guru. Like, I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a hard one to It's your time now. Say. And I'm about to fail. <laughs> Have you seen what the free BrewGuru app can do for you? With BrewGuru, you can effortlessly find deals and save money on beer, food, and brewing supplies. Level up your brew IQ with hand-picked articles, proven recipes, and trusted resources from the American Homebrewers Association and Zimmergy Magazine. And, all caps, use the powerful brewery locator to find nearby breweries, tap rooms, beer bars, homebrew supply shops, and brew pubs. Wherever you are, BrewGuru will lead you to a good beer. Get the app today and follow the path to beery enlightenment. It's free for iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. Learn more at homebrewersassociation.org. That was outstanding. Mm, it's pronounced that. Energy. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing so well, too, man. That was great. No, that, was great. <laughs> that was a thousand times You want to do a hardcore Boston accent? I, yeah, no, I can't run the show without this. Are you, uh, do you have time off between your Disney Pixar film voiceovers <laughs> to, to be here at the podcast? Wow. Effortlessly, as the answer. <laughs> and I uh, also want to thank our friends at Neshaminy Creek Brewing. Does anyone want to thank them? I can thank them myself. Because I called Smoke Logger. Their Smoke Logger Metal. Panel Mac. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But really, that was you guys. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> I didn't make that beer. But we still would like some. So please send us some Smoke Logger. Let's set that up, Scott. Yeah, I'm going to email him right now, actually. You're, you're a producer. Yeah. Produce, former, former producer. Produce that beer for us to drink. Yeah. All right. Here we go. So if you're. He's clacking in the background. This guy asking for beer, but they are the three times Philly Beer Scene Magazine Brew of the Year. Go Eagles! Two time <laughs> GABF Vienna Style Lager Medal winner. It says here a bronze for smoke lager, but really it's two bronzes for smoke lager. Crushing it. Renovated tasting room, variety of beer styles, hoppy double IPAs, sessionable and poundable lagers. To oak fermented saisons and sour beers, free brewery tours on Saturdays, new second location opening probably at least a year ago. Check them out, NeshaminyCreekBrewing.com. All right, and let's see, it's Neshaminy Creek Brewing, Jay at the Brewing Network, from Scott at the Brewing Network. Send beer in the subject line. Jay is begging me for some of your medal-winning smoked lager in all caps. Does that, does that work? Send. Except I misspelled smoked, it's summoked. As long as they don't send it to any other of the BN shows that you should be listening to, <laughs> Bruce Strong, Dr. Homebrew, Brewing with Style, and... <laughs> All right. We, we, will, we have uh, Dave's uh, final beer open here. A uh, be- blended wild quad fermented with Belgian candy sugar, dried dates, cherries, figs, and raisins. Sounds good. What do good. you guys think of this one? Sean's making gestures that make me think that he wants to say something. Oh, called the candy sugar. You, you called it. I, I told him there's no way he would know, but then he called it. 
Any thoughts on this beer? Thank you, Dave, for uh, sending these in. Yeah. Tim? Dave, I, I think this is awesome. The the date fig, the fruit contribution is really present. I think it's I think it's excellent. All right. Yeah. Cool. So I think you know we're we got some more a beer to taste later. We're gonna save that for part two. But since we got the whole crew here, I think we'll run through some questions, and Bevo's gonna join us for those and answer a few of the questions. No, she says no. She's not answering. No. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's do let's dip into the mailbag, and uh, you know as Tommy was saying earlier. And he looks panicked that I just mentioned his name, but <laughs> what? Yeah, he right? just shot a look at you, the Ushka Ushka look. <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah, that email's from two years ago. Do you guys have a lot of those? And it's like, yeah, no, we have a lot of, we have a lot of those. So, yeah, so let's, sorry, let's, listeners. Let's, well, I mean, we try. Let's chip away. Let's yeah, do it. Let's, let's do put it. Put a dent into them right now. All right, yeah, this one is also a couple years old. It's from Spencer. Spencer says, "Hey, a longtime listener, first time emailer." Even said, longer now. Yeah, way longer. He said, I got a question that uh, doesn't really pertain to the Rare Barrel. Oh, I think it was actually a show when you guys were in studio uh, many moons ago. Okay, good. He said, but maybe you can provide me from some insight from your time at the brewery, Jay. Started- I sense this question is for me. Wait, saw- you work for the brewery? <laughs> Little known fact. I started working at a commercial brewery near Savannah, Georgia about a year ago. To date, we only produce clean beers. Go Bulldogs. That's Athens, but fine. To date, we only produce clean beers. As a little side project, I've been experimenting with some sour and funky beers, mostly in uh, half-barrel kegs I've modified into fermenters and a couple oak barrels. I know I have heard other brewers keep everything clean separate, and other brewers only keep soft parts separate. Oh, like gaskets yeah, and stuff. That's what we were okay, yeah. About so before. it's the theme of the last question. He says my question is about using the same kegs for both clean and sour bread beers. I know kegs are stainless, but there's rubber gaskets. Are breweries separating clean kegs from dirty ones? And what about using the same keg washer? Sure. Yeah. Uh, a notable example, maybe one of the pioneers of separating soft parts is Russian River. They have like a whole like special sticker around it and it says like, you know, sour beer only or something. It's like like Brett, PDO, Lacto, like on the keg. Basically like there's no mistaking that this is a sour beer keg. As for keg washer, I don't know if there's a... Would I do that? Uh, I mean, you kind of have to be... Confident in your, like, cleaning regimen, but maybe, I guess? I don't know. What do you guys think? That seems like maybe a little bit of overkill. What do you think, Brandon? I don't think the keg washer matters as much as just the things that may be porous. So your gaskets, yeah, just pretty much the gaskets. As long as you have just the basics of a CIP is for the fundamentals are, you know, temperature, time and conductivity and so if you fill at any one of those three you've kind of failed the whole cip so if if you can execute that that temperature at the proper time at the right conductivity, so the con the concentration of the chemical uh you should be fine i would just worry more about the the porous things the soft things like the gaskets so i think like russian river does a great job of you know just labeling those kegs because the top of the spear that the coupler connects to, uh, there is a soft part of it, so that's what the bacteria can live on. But all the stainless parts, I mean, if if you're executing the CIP properly, it should be clean. It doesn't matter if it has bread or bacteria or brewer's yeast in it. So when I worked at a like mixed brewery, uh, we since they oftentimes the, it'll reuse like 
caustics and chemicals and stuff. And just to be on the safe side, we definitely had separate keg fleets for our sour beer and our clean beer. And we just, when we would get them back to wash them, we would just wash all the clean beer kegs first and then the sour beer kegs before changing out the chemicals in the keg washer. That kind of helped alleviate any stress that it might cause. But even when that got messed up, we never had a problem with it, but couldn't hurt. I do remember washing some other breweries' kegs at the brewery, and uh, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, were those just sour beers? And then I was kind of thinking, no, no, they're for, like, lager breweries. Yeah. And they're going through our keg washer, maybe like a lager pub, no names included. (laughs) (laughs) Any of my old Orange County brewer friends probably know what I'm talking about, but uh, great, great brewers, and uh, yeah, the the cakes were fine. So I think, you know, cleaning chemicals are strong, you know, big pH swing, temperature, time, contact time, and dosing rates and all that should should take care of it. Also, MicroStar will come out um, if you're a MicroStar, like, like if you have those kegs. Um, Which is I any brewery that's above, like, 5,000 And you can even, even if you're like not, um, you can pay them to come out. They'll bring, like, one of their analytic kegs and put mm-hmm. it on your keg washer, and it'll show you, like, it has all the probes in it, and it'll show you, like, chemical concentrations and temperature swings and, like, contact on different parts, and it'll tell you if you need to change anything like in your keg washer to increase pressure at certain points or something like that and that's, that's a really cool. valuable tool that's a hot tip yeah it is yeah i've i've experienced that and it's really awesome on like, the inside of the of keg man yeah. that must have been terrible <laughs> <laughs> just for the record no one could get to the mic fast enough to laugh at that joke that I just did. that's why there they wasn't wanted to <laughs> funny joke boss <laughs> 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 So uh, Jeremy from the Chamonix wrote me back already. Oh, hell yeah. And he said, uh, yeah. he said uh, guys, let me see what I can do. He said, I'm not sure how much, if any, we have in stock at the moment. Smoked beer isn't the biggest seller in the world. Go figure. So it's not something we make on a regular basis since Ridiculous. the demand, unfortunately, is not there. You guys, get out to that tasting room. Yeah. Drink Start ordering smoke the smoke lager. lager. Come on. Smoking, guys, start smoking. <laughs> can, can that, I ask that view does not reflect anything on the rare barrel. Yeah. <laughs> He he did say that uh, that they'll be brewing another batch soon though for a barbecue competition that they're going to be hosting there at Nishamani Creek so they'll have more soon regardless and that uh, we'll uh, figure it out there. Go Eagles! <laughs> let's yeah. do show rig. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Well, thank you guys. We had no bad beer basically. No. <laughs> so really, we're just maybe going to turn this into a TRB Q and A classic show, which is totally fine. But we do have more beer to taste in the second one, so. Let's Maybe do that'll that. be awful. By the way, Let's the hope. staff did ask yeah. to try and say stay sour at the same time. No. Well, no. your time is coming. So thank so you to all the sponsors. Thank you to all the listeners for sending your beer and listening. Thank you to Scott. Thank you to Bevo. Thank you to the Rare Barrel staff for making all the Rare Barrel beer. Until next time. Stay, stay sour. Stay sour. Stay sour. Stay sour. Effortlessly.